And hello, movie lovers. So I have Vernon with me from It Is What It Is podcast, and we're going to be doing a little bit of him basically just destroying and shattering my world tonight because we're going to be talking about he's going to be destroying the multiverse of madness. Uh, We're going to be talking about that, the Batman. We're going to be talking about a little bit of Thor Love and Thunder, what we've been watching and all that stuff. So go on ahead, smash that like button, smash that subscribe button. Go on ahead, follow us on all on our, all our social medias. And without further ado, let's go on ahead and get on with the show. All right. Hey, man. What's up? What's up, man? I'm happy to be back. Hey, it's good to have you back, dude. Like, it's been six months since we've actually got a chance to talk and everything because the last time you were on the show we've actually done our uh our after show for hawkeye which we, you and i both agreed that that movie, that tv series was not the greatest in the world it's actually ranked still at the bottom of the totem pole for me as far as marvel shows go it's a it's a it's so hawkeye is what George Clooney's Batman is to the DC universe. It was, hey, we have a surplus in budget. We need to put content out. If it works, we're geniuses. If it doesn't work, we'll sell a bunch of McDonald's cups to kids. And that's <laughs> what happened, man. Hawkeye didn't work. <laughs> no, it did not. And unfortunately, right. They don't make these, you know, the cool little glass uh, toys anymore that sells at, you know, at McDonald's for probably safety reasons. Uh, so, you know, there we have it, just bad production, bad setup, bad everything. And, you know, it was a, it was a waste of seven hours out of my life for six episodes. <laughs> so. Most definitely. So now going into Dr. Strange and Multiverse of Madness, of course, you and I were both excited for this because yeah. of the fact that, you know, who better to actually direct a horror type based kind of Dr. Strange than the director that we have, which is Sam Raimi. Right, and I was expecting nightmare. I was expecting all this other stuff to happen. It doesn't happen, and you know, I went and saw it again for the second time because I took my fiance. Hmm. I wasn't. I went in with no expectations this time. Just watched the film for what it was. I had a little bit. I had a better time watching it the second time because of the hmm. whole entire ideas that I had built up in my head and stuff like that is not there. So therefore, I was able to enjoy it more. But at the same time, it still felt flat to me. Okay, so Doctor Strange, I think a couple of things happened. First of all, there was too much buildup, too much, too much anticipation. It's like Marvel wanted to recreate the wheel, you know, kind of left off after Endgame. And there was this like, ah, we need this movie. We need to bring back the Avengers. The problem is it's, it's, it's not just about putting out a movie with the name Marvel on it. What made the Avengers great, you had great dynamics, great casting, great sequences of plot story. You had Robert Downey Jr. You had Chris Evans. I mean, you had a whole cast of individuals that kind of fit into this unique puzzle. Doctor Strange was always this kind of added piece that never really had its own uh, realm, so to speak. It's not that there's no deathness or he doesn't have a storyline. It's that he himself could never carry a movie. Right. So now, just like Hawkeye, you give him the responsibility. We need to recreate the excitement of Iron Man one, two and three and Thor Ragnarok. Right. With the character that is a B plus character is a second tier superhero. You know, I would say B plus because I'm a diehard Doctor Strange fan, to be honest with you. And I love the very first Doctor Strange movie. 
Yeah. This one just falls flat of it being an A-plus movie for me. It got away. So it got away, John. It got away from what makes stories great, what makes movies great. Um, uh, Suspense, uh, excitement, fantasy, humor, and what you were left with was a new twist on dark, right? It was like, okay, let's take... uh, you know, the exorcist and put this kind of Disney spin on it. You know, like it was, mm-hmm. it was a, it was a, it was a new twist on what being dark is. And then the reason why it didn't live up or where it kept having this drop off point, you kept introducing pivot points. And what I mean by pivot points, you introduced Charles Xavier, you know, so anybody that knows that X-Men saga, Charles Xavier, you know, it, it's like, oh my gosh, a blast from the past. We haven't seen him since Logan. You bring him into the universe and then you kill him in five minutes. <laughs> and I was saying, like, <laughs> okay, let me tell you about that moment for me. Because, okay, I thought to myself, okay, so these characters are going to probably be living in the 616 universe, anyways. So, therefore, I'm not really all that mad about that. But I was fanboying because it looked like House of M with her, with him going into her mind. And I'm just fanboying in the theater. I was sitting next to my buddy Jace. I'm like, yes, they're doing House of M. And he goes, what? And I said, never mind. Don't worry about, don't worry about you. I got this. Yeah. So, so then when you see her and that horrified look on his face, it made me, th- I felt like she was threatening in this. I do have to admit, Wanda was the threatening part of that movie that made the movie. Yeah. But at the same time, our expectations that we had was either such a high bar to those points where basically it just falls flat for us. Wanda, so and the so Wanda's character is a little bit intriguing because we all know, you know, Wanda's a witch, right? But it's what she does with it, right? That's always kind of mattered. And now you introduce Wanda kind of really hurt you know vision's not there um you know kind of creating this realm where you know she has kids but she doesn't and wanda just kind of goes off into the deep end and you made a anti because wanda's really an anti-hero she's not a villain but you made an anti-hero the villain and the problem is when you shift people like that because the reality is dr strange is not a hero either dr strange is He's an ally, but he's not like a hero. You know, he's 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 a he's a necessary evil. If Doctor Strange thought that it would be better for Thanos to just wipe out the universe with you know his eroding fingers and have everybody just disappears and keep it that way, he would allow it to happen. He's a he's a he's a he's that mix between anti-hero and superhero, or just good guy that does occasionally bad things. He's that good guy that does occasionally bad things. So when you get to Wanda's character. And they're having conflict. It's like you were searching for a nemesis. You were searching for someone who could equally match Doctor Strange's abilities. And when you search for a villain instead of a villain naturally arising, this is where I say it is bad filmmaking. Every superhero needs an organic villain. I'm not talking about like something just created out of thin air and they just threw it together. That superhero should birth a, a spontaneous negative reaction and unfortunately for Doctor Strange, it was Wanda, and that's why it failed. If it was like oh. somebody, you know, if it was like Harry Potter on steroids, even though it would have felt funny, it would have been humorous, you would have at least got the excitement because you would have said, well, it's Harry Potter on steroids. I can kind of see that, right? Like now it's right. like, now my mind is thinking, I can kind of see that. 
Well, here's the thing, though, too. Okay, so Doctor Strange, he fights other realms and things like that. So his reality is not, our reality is not technically his reality in a sense, because he sees things that we can't see. But at the same time, though, I was hoping for the Nightmare villain to show up, which is your Freddy Cougar of yeah. of Doctor Strange, which made more sense to me to actually have Sam Raimi on board to do this film because of the fact that I've been wanting to see a Nightmare on Owl Street kind of vibe with Doctor Strange. Now, they did try to set that up with WandaVision and stuff like that, where she was going to be the main villain, the main baddie. But even then, I felt like that was pushing it a little bit because there was no setup. and I, I didn't feel like that we actually earned that right yet to actually have her in there yet. It needed to be a more, a little bit more of a built-up to that point. I believe if you had Doctor Strange in WandaVision to do whatever he needed to do in WandaVision, I think that we would have actually set that up with this one. But that's just my perspective on it. Um, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Cheese. Yeah, it was very cheesy, to be honest with you, because of the fact, too, Yeah, is this. Yeah, you have a bunch of cameos from the Evil Dead. Yeah, in there, and so basically, it didn't feel like a Doctor Strange movie. It felt like a Sam Raimi movie featuring Doctor Strange, as well. Would it be safe to say that what they should have done with Doctor Strange is done um, a second origin story? Because even though we think we know Doctor Strange's kind of plot into the movie verse, if you're not a avid like fan and an avid comic book reader, you probably can't tell. Uh, episode by episode of really the Doctor Strange story. And you could have took this opportunity to reintroduce Doctor Strange as the leader of the second hurrah uh, of, of, of Avenger heroes, right? Because now I feel like the team is broken up and it's like when they break up a dynasty and you only keep one or two pieces, but you need all five to win. And, <laughs> and you're hoping that these other pieces step up and replace the other three. Doctor Strange didn't, and who they probably should have centered the movie around and just spent the time explaining that. Because I like, I agree with you. The first Doctor Strange was it was almost perfect. You got to see him right. as a doctor. You got to see him, you know, train the transformation. Yeah, yeah. And you started to understand the humanity behind Doctor Strange. This is where you introduce, is it Carl Morty or Mordo? Mordo. Mordo, yeah. This is when you introduce Carl Mordo, and then you explain that uniqueness of that dynamic. But you did it. You placed him in here and then rushed him off the screen. You can't do that. You can't. You cannot pivot and place a a basically centerpiece of the story and then introduce them and then kill him off because it doesn't make well, sense. Another thing too is the way they did Mordo in this one. He was not in part of the six one six area code because that's what I'm calling it. The six one six universe. Um, or anything like that. They placed him in the other universe, and I thought that he would actually have more of a way of actually going about it. And instead, they don't. Pl- they place him in this other multiverse. And to me, it would have been better if they did the six one six because that's how they ended it with the six one six and the very first Doctor Strange movie. And also, too, now this is canon, and I'm glad that this uh, Sam Raimi did put this in here. Doctor Strange does have a sister, and that's actually canon in with the comics. But they should have done that in the first Doctor Strange movie and not in the second one. Because at first I'm like, okay, so they're not giving us his sister. They're not giving us the fact that she died or anything. So I'm like, okay, that's cool. She doesn't exist in this universe. All of a sudden, in Sam Raimi's mind, she now exists in that universe. So that's something else that I wanted to talk about. But Derpy, um, he says what they should have done was get the director who and actually watch the Disney Plus shows. Here's the thing, though, with that. 
Kevin Feige sees everything and knows everything within his own production right. to the point where he knows where the direct where to put the directors and place the directors. So it was up to it's not up to the director to watch every single Disney Plus show. It's up to Kevin Feige to place that person in the right place in order to tell the story that they want to be told. And because of the fact that he didn't place them in the right part, it falls on Foggy himself. It does not fall technically on the director. The director only is allowed so much breathing room to where he has to do what's right on the script and has to get the actors to do what they want him to do, what he wants them to do. So that's the way I look at it from a business perspective, but also as a fan based person, though, too. But still, that's how I look at it as far as that part goes. I agree with you. I, I think it's not it's, it's Kevin Foggy's responsibility to kind of put the pieces together. Where the I think hiccup occurs, and if you hear that, I live in Chicago, so that's just part of the landscape. Uh, <laughs> where 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 the hiccup occurs is that if you are going to direct something that fits into a larger system of art, right? It's just a large system of, of of bodies of work. You as a director should have a running knowledge of how that looks and feels. Right. So if you introduce something totally foreign, to- totally just different, it's not that you can't. There's no rules to this, but you should at least have something that says, OK, I see how it integrates. I see how it plugs in. I see the you know, how the integration piece kind of works when you don't do something like this. I think it just sets up for bad precedent. Right. And so for right. Dr. Strange, <clears throat> it's not that it couldn't have been a home run. I think if you would have shaved a lot off on the dark stuff and focused on the story of strange and how strange really comes to his own really post, um, you know, post Thanos, right. Right. Uh, you, you get a better movie and you get a more, what I would say, appealing uh, a collection of just narratives. When you don't do that, you get the Hawkeye ep- ep- epidemic. And with the Haw- Hawkeye epidemic, what we have is just rush material, bad acting, and something that you look back and realize you wish you could have kept your twenty dollars. Exactly. So let's move on to this now. And I know Derby said something real quick. He said the only high part of the film was Professor X cameo and hearing the X Men theme. Everything was else was disappointing. Yeah. Okay. So before we go into our Batman topic, now here's the thing. I feel like that they shouldn't have told us about the Professor Xavier thing. Yes, he was narrating, but I feel like they should have held that back. To where we can actually have that fanboy moment of him being there. Because whenever I was like, eh, I saw the picture. Eh, it's cool. He's in there. Eh, it's all right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's like, eh, it just fell flat for me with that. And then, of course, I knew that they were going to have the British version of Captain America because of the fact oh, yeah. that it was also canon What What If. I knew she wasn't going to last long, and her timing was split in half. Pun intended. Right. But... <laughs> <laughs> But then you also have some inhuman stuff and things like that. It just didn't match up to what I was expecting it to be. But yeah, um, Brandy says, I agree. The cameo should have been a surprise. Yep, most definitely. So what's your thoughts on that real quick? So it should have been, it should have been, it should have been the icing on top of the cake. Professor, when they, if they were going to go down that route, which they did, when Professor X um, comes into the scene, that should have actually spawned into a new path. It should have been the X-Men. You know what? If you really wanted to hit a home run, you could have saved everything. If Hugh Jackman would have walked into the movie somehow, 
You know what I'm saying? Like somehow just take the X-Men. I mean, even even Halle Berry as Storm, like if you could have recreated the early 2000s, 20th Century Fox's, you know, X-Men kind of saga and universe and implemented them within the Doctor Strange, what you would have saw was two sets of audiences merge. You would have saw an older audience that remembers when the superhero kind of craze started and everybody was trying to, you know, get behind this thing. And then you would have saw a new audience that does not remember, uh, you know, well, they might remember Hugh as, as Wolverine, but, you know, from the uh, uh, Kevin Nash as 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 a uh, saber tooth tiger, right? <laughs> like right. the early two thousands Wolverine. Versus- yeah, early early two thousands. They were completely oblivious to that. That was the perfect timing for that to happen. And because you did it, you had another dropped ball. This is the equivalent when Hawkeye's sidekick shot a bow and arrow and knocked down a two hundred year old uh, bell, and the bell crashed into a building, and somehow only a crack from a chimney occurred. Exactly. So let's go in with the Batman now. So you and I were hyped up for that movie and we were even defending it. And I still defend this to this day, of course, but, (laughs) but still, okay. I know the film didn't work for you and I know it might've been the runtime. It might've been the direction of it. It may have been all of those things, but what didn't work for you? And then I'll go into my stuff on the things that worked for me. John, the first thing that didn't work for me, and this is full transparency, and do not hate me for this. This was the worst Batman movie ever. I'm placing George Clooney's Batman. George Clooney and the guy uh, from, uh, uh, what's that cop show? Uh, NCIS. NCIS Las Vegas or whatever. LA. NCIS LA. Uh, Is it Chris O'Donnell? Yes, Chris Chris O'Donnell. Him and George Clooney uh, and, and Arnold. As Mr. Free, they had in the rip. Oh my God! And Tommy Lee and Jim Carrey. That was a better Batman than this garbage. And here's the reason why: it's not the runtime. I'm okay with a three-hour movie if you make it worth my three hours. Except that two and a half hours of the three-hour movie was spent in dialogue, and that was a waste. It was the simple fact I couldn't legibly make out the scenes. It was so dark. Like I, I thought, I thought my TV was just wrong. I was like, maybe you know, because I watched it on HBO Max. I was like, maybe oh, maybe that's where you messed up. At you messed up by putting it on your TV. Yeah. If you, that, yeah, that's 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 where you messed up at. Because if you watch this on the big screen, yeah. And you know how Charlie always picks on me for watching the last Matrix movie on on the on the on my cell phone, yeah. but you know what I mean. I, I was like, well, either way it goes, it's still a crappy movie because right. of the fact, but it doesn't defy anything. But with that, I felt like with the Batman, it needs to be one of those movies that you need to experience in the theater because of the lighting. Because you can't because high definition TVs, you know, they make things don't get me wrong, it's high def, but at the same time, they also make your screens very dark to the point where you can't see everything. That's true. So even if so, even if it's just because of the setting and I needed to watch it in the movie theater, it still doesn't eradicate the point that the audio was almost ineligible. When Robert Patterson would speak, I felt like uh, the word Edward was going to pop out of somebody's mouth. You know, I was just looking for the kind of wonky uh, Twilight, you know, music. And I like Robert Patterson. I think, you know, he seems like a cool guy. But like him as Batman didn't even seem real. He honestly, from a makeup, from a physical standpoint, he was almost too small 
to be Batman. Some of the scenes look well, like um uh, like he was almost like and I get it, this is year one Batman. He doesn't have I, the car yet. Him and Alfred still have a rocky relationship, so I get all the dynamic. I've seen the year one Batman, uh, though I think the animated uh movie Year One Batman was amazing, so this is no excuse. <laughs> um, but that's that's DC. But even with all that, you do this, it just didn't add up from the villains to Catwoman's kind of thing. Um, I, I, I their their dynamic was a little off. Uh, and then I don't like at the end, I mean, Batman takes an adrenaline shot and that's how he bounces back. How, you know, like there's just, there's things about this movie that was cringeworthy and it was hard to follow. And then at the very end, you get uh, the Riddler and Joker laughing in the same as, you know, Asylum. And I get it. Arkham Asylum has literally everybody. I beat the video game. Arkham Asylum has all the evil characters in one setting. However... When it comes to a movie that does not work, they they needed spacing, they needed time to tell the story. And what happened was it was a very long experience that honestly could have ended up on Netflix in an hour and a half film. Well, here's the thing. I actually liked the whole entire deal where you actually have this uh, as a small here's the thing. I love the fact that it had a small build to it. And also, too, it had that slow tension, which I liked. It also felt like the animated series, which I liked. It had that kind of feel to it. To me, it had that feel to it. Uh, and then also, too, you have a seven mixed with Saw type character from the Riddler that we haven't seen before. So that's some, that's another positive that I liked about it. Then, of course, I thought that Colin Farrell is the Penguin. He stole the show. I thought he did a fantastic job with it. Now, as far as Bruce goes and everything, too, this is not your perfect Batman. This is not going to be. This is going to be an imperfect Batman who doesn't know his own his own limits any, yet or anything like that. So he's an imperfect de- detective. So he doesn't know his his limits just yet. He doesn't know uh, how to actually detect that great just yet because it's a year one type Batman. But that's what I liked. I liked the fact that it was a per- person who's actually imperfect, who's trying to do what's right, and also, too, someone that's trying to protect his family's name from being on the internet and stuff like that and being publicly known for doing some stuff that's very shady and stuff like that. I also like John Totoro. I thought he did a good job as Carmine. Uh, then, now, I do have to admit this, though. And in, in the theater, I did feel one part of the runtime where basically you have the cemetery scene. Yeah. That part dragged a little bit for me now that I'm thinking about it. At that time, I'm like, nah, it's fine. But now that I'm actually thinking about it and had a chance to marinate a little bit after seeing it, because I haven't rewatched it yet, because that's going to be my next thing. I'm actually buying the Batman special edition stuff. But. You know, I just personally, I like the slow build. I like the slow tension. And then once that tension's let go, it just goes full force. The plot twist at the end was very good. Of course, we also know, like you said, with Arkham, you have your villains inside one building. But I'm hoping this, Vernon. I'm hoping that they don't do the Joker as the villain for the next one. Mm. Use the Riddler as a puppet. Right. And use the other villains as a puppet to let joker do his puppeteering behind arkham 
Then you have the big breakout if you want to do the third film and let the Joker be the villain at the very last movie. If you want to do a three-part movie. But that's the way I look at it because of the fact that we've seen Joker. We get it. You know, we don't need several Jokers anymore. Matter of fact, WB just released the whole thing about Joaquin Phoenix's Joker 2. I know, I saw. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to get into that a little bit in a few minutes. But, you know... I just feel like, let him be the puppeteer, just like in Batman Rebirth. In Batman Rebirth, he was actually the puppet. Riddler was the puppet, and he was pulling all these strings. Joker was pulling all these strings to make him do his bidding, and that's what I want in my Detective Batman. But as far as the soundtrack goes, I thought it was really good. It was also an homage to uh, the Long Halloween animated movie. Yes, That's something that I really liked. Great. The scoring was fantastic. Oh, yeah. The 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 mute the scoring was fantastic. It was an homage to that. It was an homage to full symphony of kind of suspense uh 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 theatrics. You know, I I it 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 really placed you it's crazy. So I watched that yesterday. Yesterday is my birthday. I ended up watching just in part the you know original Batman with Michael Keaton and just that like the buildup to every sequence, the scoring is what led it, right? So the scoring was fantastic. I have no problem with the scoring. The problem is I'm okay with the imperfect Batman. I'm okay with Rusty Batman. I'm okay with him not knowing. Year one Batman works under year one circumstances. The problem is, and I do agree with you, I don't, because I want to see Joaquin Phoenix's Joker, if they do implement a Joker in this universe. I feel like he's the only one that should do it post you know like i i don't know like i, I like jared leto but i, I think joaquin phoenix's joker set a new standard a new bar but that's neither here nor there but there's other characters i like joaquin phoenix yeah there's the calendar man you know I, I thought he was gonna make a cameo so there's there's so many different directions in which you can take this even Batman. hush right yeah but the problem is here's what's gonna occur you have two different batman still very active what makes a multiverse work is technically one multiverse is in suspended animation, right? Or it comes to an end, right? So then therefore you can explore these other paths. If you have a Ben Affleck Batman who is going to make a cameo in the Flash movie, let's say that's a hit. Let's say that is this Flash movie makes you re-believe in DC. Let's say, because I know Michael Keaton's in it too. Let's say that is a hit. Now it's about how does Robert's Batman fit into this, you know? And this is why you need a content creator like Kevin uh, Foggy, who Foggy, really, yep. yeah, who is really, I think, a genius when it comes to stuff, is you have to make the pieces of the puzzle fit. I'm not mad at the attempt of, of this Batman. What I'm mad is that you were given this great opportunity to hit a home run, and to me, you didn't exhaust all options. And I think when you're going to take the weight of a iconic superhero, I mean, if we think about it, there's a bunch of superheroes, but there's only really two or three superheroes, even across, I'm talking about Marvel and DC, less than five that are tier one, you can't mess this up. And you can list them. Batman. Superman. Superman. Captain America. Thor, I don't know. You know, Iron Man, I don't know. They became that, but I don't know right. if they're 
Well, well now they came top tiers because yeah. at that time, you know, nobody really cared about Iron Man that much up until RDJ took o- took that over. Right. So now that's going to be a huge mantle to fill. But I believe that he's actually going to be on that tier one as well okay. as characters that you don't want to mess up, and including so, Wonder Woman. Okay, Wonder Woman. So you got Iron Man and Wonder Woman. So that's five. So out of all the superheroes, you got five roles. That this is not something that you play with. And well, even Green Lantern, for that matter, though, too. Is he a top? Is he a top tier? Well, for some people, they they consider him top tier because of yeah. his lore, oh. and they don't want that lore to be messed up. Okay, because so there that, are yeah. So but, okay, I give you that. I'm not Green Lantern's amazing. I think how I think he's been played. I think they've underplayed him in in cinema. Brian um, Reynolds only had one shot at him. You know, like they so like Green Lantern is, but I just if you think about like if you could say I want to be anything, if you say I want to be anything for Halloween, perfect example: Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Iron Man, and Spider Man. These are your five, and like everybody else is like underneath that umbrella. So, uh, you know, Spider Man they they're doing a fantastic job, but when it comes to this Batman. This Batman just did not live up to his billing and it did not live up to his billing is because you can have broken elements, but you can't have a broken vision. You created a Batman with almost no way out. And unless you do a second, unless you do a sequel to tie up all the loose parts, this is going to be one of those is going to be a Clooney Batman. Well, I can tell you this. They are working on a sequel because it made over a billion dollars at the box office. This movie made... Yeah, it made bank. So it's probable not only that, but they were also talking about doing a Gotham City TV series, but differently than what they normally do. Basically, making it based off of like Penguin and stuff oh. for the TV series because Colin Farrell did sign off on a contract to be able to play the Penguin again and stuff like that for the TV series. Now they have a new CEO in town as far as DC goes right now, as far as Warner Brothers. And that's the guy. Uh, matter of fact, he's the owner of Discovery. Discovery bought out Warner Brothers in uh, in DC, so now they actually own those properties. Really? Yep. Discovery is now owned by Warner Brothers. So now we have a new CEO in town. Whether or not that he plays and does things differently, that's yeah. debatable. But there's also another thing that kind of concerns me is the Ezra Miller stuff. They still haven't done anything with him. Okay. Uh, and there's, and I don't know why they're just letting him get away with stuff. And then there's also this new Joker on uh, movie that we just heard about. As a matter of fact, I just found out it could be a musical, like a stage play or like a movie, like a movie musical. Like I just, I just saw it on a comingsoon.net. I mean, I would <laughs> with Harley <laughs> Quinn. Lady Gaga is rumored to play Harley Quinn. That's not bad. I mean, I. I'm not. I'm not mad. <laughs> but come yeah, on. I don't, yeah, I'm not. I'm not for. The, I'm not for the musical. I mean, I'm not for the musical. I think Lady Gaga could play a great Holly Quinn. I'm not for the musical. Joaquin Phoenix is Joker. No. Um, David Zaslav, that's his name. So he's CEO of Discovery. Uh, they bought Warner Media. I guess his merger, forty three billion dollars. It's a lot of money. <laughs> I don't know where all this money's coming from. That's a lot of money though. But um, I, I'm excited. I'm excited about if they if DC can get a director of uh, 
controller or director of uh, creative control, their own version of Kevin Foggy. And that's what they need. That's what they need. And put together unilateral messaging, something that's actually going to tie in all pieces. And they might have to start from scratch. It might be a 10, 12, 15 year build, which is fine. Uh, that That's just a lot of great movies to watch in between. But if they don't do this, I don't like the CW approach. Like I, I like I love Superman and Lois. That's the best thing on CW. Like I, I watch it, huge yeah. fan. But if you just have these just kind of outliers that have their own narrative and their own story, eventually it's it's it it just takes away to me from a true fan's like likability of your project, right? And that's what I feel like they did with this Batman. And that's gonna get me to my third point. My third point is. From a fanboy, from somebody who has liked Batman since day one, who has bought the memorabilia at McDonald's, right? Me too. Who has I've watched done it. Every, yeah, every single <laughs> there is not a Batman movie I have not watched, including animated series. <laughs> you know, I like I, I I live for the Batman just content, and to do this, <sighs> see everything that you didn't like, I liked. So by <laughs> But you see, though, also too with Robert Pattinson being down, depressed, and stuff like that too. And I was like, "Oh, he's too moody." Well, he lost his parents not too long ago, so of course he's going to be a little bit moody than what he normally is. And then Alfred winds up being now. This is a little nitpick that some people had, and as he is a nitpick, I thought of the fact that uh, the scene with Alfred, for example. Where he's laying up in the hospital bed. Just why didn't you tell me about my um my father? And I'm like, okay. Some people are like, well, I didn't like that because that's not Alfred and Batman or Batman and uh, Bruce and Alfred. I'm like, well, how do you feel about someone hiding something from you, and you're thinking that you had this interpretation of somebody, and especially your parents, and then they're not even telling you what's happening, and, they're, and you're hearing it from other people. So therefore, that so therefore, your respect for that person has gone has set down a lower bar in a sense. So therefore, he's mad at Alfred for not telling him, and he had to find out through somebody else. That's true. I'm not mad at that. That's your one dynamic. I'm cool with that. I'm cool with the Alfred and Batman relationship. It's a little it threw me off because when I saw uh, Alfred, I was like, man, he's the villain from Wakanda. Like that's all I could think of, and I couldn't get that out of. My- <laughs> I'm like, dude, he's the villain right. from Wakanda. You know, so that's all I could get in my head. I was like, man, this is ruining. You can't be using the same actors, even though Christian Bale is going to be in the new Thor movie. So <laughs> it, it, it is what it is. But um, I'm okay with that if. If they're going to go down the route that this is going to be the face of them, and they have to establish that. Like, what I did not like about Justice League is that you never really established like Ben is the new Batman. Like you said it, but you didn't say it. You know what I'm saying? Like, like they didn't mean it. It's like yeah. telling your telling your girlfriend, "Oh, I love you," but you don't actually mean it because you're not showing that you love that person. So they're. Yeah. So therefore, it's the same thing with Batman. Oh, Batman is the new uh, face of Batman. Yeah, that's cool, but you're not showing us. You're not showing that you mean a mean it right. or anything. They'll, but right. <laughs> but right. here's the thing, though. I don't think Ben is attached to anything after Flashpoint. Oh. So I'm thinking that this is actually going to be the new, uh, the new thing that we're getting. 
because of the fact, number one, at that time, Ben was also going through um, alcoholism at that time. Yeah. I'm not sure if he would want to go back down that road again, after, even after doing this cameo appearance after this, he would want to go down that rabbit hole of playing Batman again and Bruce again. So yeah. that's another thing, too. But I always had this theory about putting him in the Lazarus pit or doing something where him and Deathstroke face off against each other and then make him young to the point where now that's Robert Pattinson. Now Robert Pattinson's taking over the DCE. Do it that way. But I'm looking at it from this standpoint, though, too. This version of the Batman does not belong in the DCEU. This is more your realistic type of Batman, which stands alone from everything else. So, therefore, I would have to say that Batman doesn't even belong in the DCEU. It's like pulling up two different comic books that are not canning, canning with each other and just going off of that. I agree. I No complaint out of me. It, it does not belong in that, that stream of thing. I think these two different versions are not in canon with each other um which which is fine it's not like a red flag or anything i just mm. think that when you're when you're trying to build this out right uh like i'm looking even at the wonder woman poster behind you you know gal gadot's not doing another wonder woman right so yeah she is she's, she's gonna she's do still, one more yeah she's doing another one with patty jenkins and patty signed on to do another one but i'm hoping that script is better than wonder woman 1984 yeah and just, it was trash yeah and i didn't like it it looked like Wonder Woman was ice skating across the mall. And- it wasn't her fault. It wasn't Gal Gadot's no. fault. It no, was no, no, all, no, no, It was all directed. No. I mean, not like all directed, but it was just a bad script. It was, it was just a bad script. It wasn't Gal Gadot's I, fault. Vernon, it could. Be, you know what though? It could be. It was good, but it can be better. That's true. <laughs> just like, but true. but no, it the movie wasn't good at all. I didn't like it. I was hyped up for it. It was totally lit down. But let's go on ahead. Let's let's dive into Thor Love and Thunder about the runtime, about an hour and 52 minute Thor movie, which is actually, to be honest with you, was like the shortest out of the MCU movies and stuff like that. And usually by the time the words go up, my fiance is getting ready to get up and go. I said, what are you doing? I said, what are you doing this wrong? She's like, I got to use the bathroom. I said, well, I'm going to do this right. So I'm going to be right here. <laughs> so, but, you know. Depending on the story and the narrative of what they're going for, I'm okay with it as long as it's not rushed. Here's my feeling towards it. I think they need a they need a home run. Like they that franchise, that company needs a home run. And obviously can't use Iron Man, can't really use Captain America because now it's uh, you know, uh Falcon. Um, and they haven't given him uh, his own movie. They've given him a saga. But it's well, they said movie. he was going to get get his own movie, but they haven't. Once again, it's right. like, you know, he's going to have his own movie. Where is it? Exactly. <laughs> Where you know? Exactly. You 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 stalled and you've postponed uh, the release of uh, the second Black Panther. Not once, not twice, but there's now rumors for a third time. Right. So you're now pushing back work. And it's like, we got to get something out. Well, the, the next best superhero in the Marvel Universe versus Thor and Chris Hemsworth. Everybody, I think everybody just loves Chris. You know, it's kind of like the opposite of everybody hates Chris. Everybody loves Chris and is like, oh, okay, cool. You know, but it's Thor is really a rom com, it's really a romantic comedy. It's, it's, it's not a superhero movie. I mean, it is, but it's really just a romantic comedy. And, you know, that's what you love about it because it's it's family friendly and it's like, oh, hey, you know, it's, 
you know, it's Thor and, you know, Thor falls in love, you know, Thor gains a hundred pounds off of drinking beer, then loses it, you know, like <laughs> stuff that's funny and it's lighthearted, but in all honesty, does it drive the narrative? Like I was thinking about how the buildup to this happened from the first Thor to the second Thor. It's almost like if you took one of the movies out, the story would still unfold. Like those details aren't needed, you know? No. So, so it's, I, I just don't know. I just feel like this is going to be a great, I, I, I want to see what Christian Bale's character does. That's Me what too. I'm looking for. I think he's going to steal the show because Christian Bale does that. But as far as like Thor, I mean, it's going to just be a cute movie. It's going to be a, it's going to be a romantic comedy. Here's the thing. I think that when it comes down to Thor, it's like great dramatic dramatics. And I don't mean as in drama. I mean, like if you look at Thor, He's like a rock god kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And that's exactly what they're going for. They're going for like the 80s over-the-top stuff. Taika Waititi's back directing this. He did a yeah. good job with Thor Riding Rock. But, you know, then you have Jane Foster back again. And, of course, Lady Thor, which in the comics, she winds up having ca- cancer, which makes her, which makes uh, the hammer come back and makes Jane the one who winds up carrying Vladimir. Okay. So that's how she was able to carry because she the the hammer actually deemed her worthy of carrying in it. But you know, I don't know if they're going to go with the cancer thing, which I hope they do in a sense because it gives you more groundwork of her character. Even though I really didn't really care about her character in the last uh, two, um, well, the last couple of Thor movies. Yeah, to be honest with you. Uh, but now I actually like Natalie Portman. It looks like that she's actually gotten bulk. She's into her characters, Jane. Yeah. And then the back and forth between Thor and her about Thor, of course, is in love with her. So he's keeping up track of how long it's been since they last talked and saw each other. So I like that. Natalie, so, Port- Natalie Portman is a great actress. Natalie Portman is going to add value and depth, just like she did before. You can expect great value add and great content. Their chemistry is going to be on par. They're going to basically kind of do a throwback. That's why I say it's a rom-com. So you're going to get all the feel-good kind of just nostalgia that comes with Natalie Portman being back. I got to answer Derby's question. Yes, I am a biased Christian Bale fan. Derby, because you kept <laughs> saying I'm a biased. I do know Batman. I've watched everything. But Christian Bale, um, not the – Christian Bale, I like Christian Bale's Batman because I like Christopher Nolan, right? And those two is like is like Phil Jackson and any superstar. They just – that tandem kind of works, right? So – um, but to go back to Thor, you know, I think that um, this Thor movie that's really coming up is going to determine really where the bar is uh, for Marvel because it's hard to repeat success. Um, and we can use any sports analogy that, you know, eventually you lose, right? You can only win so many championships because... Right. You can't just keep repeating it, repeating it. There's going to be new challenges, new things, and eventually you just phase out or you age out, right? So with this one, I, I really think the character of Thor is just kind of at a point where you can almost retire the character. You know, are you gonna, Yeah, are you going to do five more movies? Like, and, and that's the real question. Are we going to put him in every single sequence going forward? Because if you do that, then it's why do we get rid of RDJ in the first place? You know, like it's 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 one of those things you have to kind of allow the story to go Unfold. past these characters. 
and that's why, and I said this, the last Spider-Man wasn't just great. It was almost cinematically perfect. Mm-hmm. And I've never said that about a movie. But, you know, I've, rewind, I've said this was cinematically perfect because whatever they decide to do is justified. If they never did another thing, the way they ended it was perfect. If they do another thing, now you create suspense. Wherever you go with it, it's perfect after that. With this Thor, that's where I'm at. I'm just, I don't know. <laughs> well, that's another thing, too, is I feel like that you've gave him his story arc. Arc Basically, you go through a depressed Thor because of the fact that he lost his planet. And first, you know, we're, we're laughing about it because it is comical. But at the same time, it's also sad for Thor. He also misses a chance of cutting off Thanos' head. So he winds up becoming even more depressed because of that. And he winds up eating, becoming a gamer. Uh, and so, you know, you have those elements of depression for Thor. And now he's coming out of his depression after he winds up putting the axe down. And wanting to, and then he joins up, of course, with Guardians of the Galaxy. But he realizes, hey, wait, I need to go off and do my own thing. You guys go off and do your thing. And that's it. And then becomes a Thor movie. So that's perfectly fine with me. At least it's not becoming Guardians of the Galaxy 2, 3.0 or anything like that. So, I, because in comic books, they always iterate them anyways in shared universes. But I like the fact that, you know, you gave your character your his story arc. And now you're getting him Jane Foster back. Right. So where do you advance your character after this story takes place? Because we have the God Killer. And I'm going to tell you this, Russell Crowe is going to die at the very beginning as, as Zeus. He's just going to die. You think so? Yes, he's going to die. I'm going to tell you. Because, okay, Gladiator, number one. Gladiator is going to die. The- <laughs> I'm telling you, Russell Crowe is going to die at the very beginning. It's not the first time he died. He died in Man of Steel as well. So He did die in Man of Steel. That's true. <laughs> he's the so, perfect father of a superhero. Right. <laughs> But that's what I'm saying. I'm thinking that Zeus is going to bite the bullet, and then it's going to come down to Thor probably having to fight him and everything because he is a god. But I want to know what the motivation of them fighting because if you just have them there just for the sake of having them there to fight, then what's the point? I don't know. You know what? I would actually. I think you might be right about that. Russell Russell uh, Crowe's character might be. Uh, um, yeah, that might actually happen. Just because it happened before in the in the Superman movie. It, well, it also kinda... too. Anytime when they give us a new world that we actually go to, they, they, what what happens to it, Vernon? Every yeah, single time in a movie, destroyed. right? <laughs> so <laughs> we're introduced to this new world of God of the gods. He's a god killer, so that tells me that he's gonna kill Zeus. <laughs> that's true. It, and it could, it could honestly, it could be, you know, that's actually not that's actually accurate. That is very accurate. <laughs> if Russell, if his character, if his character is as long as is, is is still inactive, is still active in the movie 30 minutes in, then I think he's safe. But if something happens within that 30 minutes, is is total wash. But um Thor's Thor's character is going to run into, I think, um, uh, a creative block because I really think the goal is to pass it off to like a younger Thor uh, or Natalie Portman, Natalie Portman or uh, the uh, with uh, Tessa Thompson, the Valkyrie 
Uh, my wife just brought home Ironheart, right? So like the she builds the suit, kind of follows up after Iron Man, you know. So it's always now this kind of transition into the younger kind of new superhero, right? The and Young Avengers, see. right? Yeah. It's called the Young Avengers, and then of course you also have the New Avengers and things like that. So yeah, in order to evolve, you have to change. You can't do the same repetitive stuff; otherwise, it just becomes chaos, doing the same thing over and over again. That's true, but. I feel like this though, man. I I wish they would actually get away from the Tony Stark stuff mm. and stop doing that. That's my little nitpick with Marvel. Let mm. the story be the story without having to focus on a character that's dead and move on from Tony. You don't have to have everything that connects over to Tony. Let the characters build on their own merits and their own stuff. Mm. That's gr- that's great and to me that's great. From a fan perspective, the problem is, can is there enough depth in these characters to actually carry that weight? You know what I'm saying? Like, this is something I've been really asking myself. Like, and we always go back to the five superheroes. These characters have been overdeveloped. They can carry enough that you can almost retell the story a hundred different times because there's so much depth there. Is there a lot of depth in Thor? You know, like... Think about I like no like because I'm thinking like every time you think about Thor's interaction from a comic book standpoint, you got to bring in the Hulk. If you bring if you bring in the Hulk, then you got to bring in the different versions of the Hulk. You got to bring in World Breaker Hulk. Then if you bring in that Hulk, you got to bring in Wolverine. You know, like it's it's their story is contingent upon all these other factors and dominoes that the story itself doesn't stand alone. That universe Thor's storyline unfortunately has to be connected. And be carried else. through somebody else, through another superhero. Exactly. Right. And I know Guardians Volume 3, for example, that's going to be the last of the Guardians of the Galaxy. That's it. James Gunn says he's done with it after that. Good. So, <laughs> I, 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 I'm ha- and also, too, we also have the stuff that, you know, uh, Dave Batista didn't like how Drax was being portrayed and stuff yeah. like that. So, yeah. I'm happy that it's ending on Volume 3. Uh, so, so my question is this: So what? So I know you have a product out. Yep. So you want to talk about your product for a minute? I appreciate you. Look, I'm, first of all, I'm super excited to be here. It's an honor to be back on the show. Look, I am the CEO uh, of CBMK Global. We dot uh, store. That's the website. Hits on the thing. CBMK Global are the best sports elements are. We're designing safe uh, supplements for all those out there. You know, you don't have to be a Mr. and Mrs. Universe. We just want to get people in shape. We're going through NSF certification now. I want to make sure that we got the best stuff, the safest stuff, so you can put in your body and you can get the fitness results that you desire. I have with me Meta Manla. This is the pre-workout for the summer. It's really, you know, it's only got 200 milligrams of caffeine. It's just there to get you up over the hump so you can have that fantastic workout before and or after work and that you don't have to worry about being up all night because you're feeling all jittery. I have superpower. That's the next level. You might want to chill on the superpower. But we created this right here. Look, times are tough with $7 a gallon, right? Earth of gas. So we created this, man, to help you deal with just those uh, moments of pressure and feeling anxiety called no worries, man. So it's a supplement to just kind of help you calm down. I want you guys to get it because I want you guys to be healthy and safe. And I want you guys to have a more productive and awesome life than the Batman movie that just came out. Because that, even though it made a billion dollars, it's a short-lived experience. So this is why we created it. Go to www.cvmkglobal.store. C is in Cody, Vernon, Marshall, Kelly, global.store. 
where all your best supplements and fitness drip is available. And of course, if you guys can't remember that, it will actually be in the link below. So that way you guys don't have to memorize that because I have a horrible memorization. I'm sure everybody else does because I know I have an attention span of a goldfish. So, but anyways, um, I do want to bring this up real quick. So I do have a little bit of a mer- merch. As a matter of fact, I'm actually teaming up with Motor City Nerds and she's going through a difficult time. So all ch- all the all of those shirts for the charity is going to be the Motor City Nerds collaboration T-shirt. So all you have to do is go to the link below, get yourself a T-shirt. All proceeds go over to Abby from Motor City Nerds. She's actually my acting producer for the shows and stuff like that. She's just not able to do that at first because of the fact of her work schedules and stuff like and things like that and how life is. But Go on ahead, get yourself a Motor City t-shirt featuring Movie Lovers Unite. I promise you the proceeds mean so much to Abby and I and for me to be able to do that for her. So go on ahead and do that. Of course, we also have our Top Gun rewatch t-shirts on there. We also have our uh, Top Gun rewatch coffee mugs. We have, I quote, movie uh, movie quotes t-shirts and things like that, too. So all that is in the links below. Don't forget to like, don't forget to comment, don't forget to go over to Vernon's channel and subscribe to his channel and also to, of course, his podcast. So all that stuff is going to be in the links below. And always until next time, thank you so much, my friend, for coming on here. I do enjoy geeking out over stuff with you, even though we might have our differences with the Batman. I still had fun with this episode. It has been my pleasure. It's always always exciting and, and just a fun time to be with you, John. And this is the best podcast when it comes to tvs movies shows trailers all creative content review there's no other podcast like that subscribe to john's page at movie lovers tv lovers unite where it goes down and where i will be back all yes you show, will destroying the <laughs> <DC> universe <laughs> and another thing too i want to bring up we're going to be doing our godfather 2 review on thursday at nine o'clock central time 10 o'clock eastern time for that then we're going to be doing our Obi-Wan Kenobi Episode 5 review on Friday. And that's going to be scheduled at 9 o'clock p.m. Central Time, 10 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, I believe. I have to catch up with Alex on that. But that's everything that's going on over here at Movie Loves Unite. I do hope everyone enjoyed the show. And always until next time, guys, it's been real. It's been fun. 